What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 59.2, and we're continuing our playthrough of Earthbound. Um, first and foremost, I have changed my setup as far as the recording goes. I'm actually using my Yeti microphone and wearing a headset, so you may be getting some more and stuff like that because this is actually a professional microphone. That I haven't used that much. I used it for recording our D&D stuff. Which then died. So now I'm stuck with a microphone that I paid like almost $100 for. Got it on sale. So We'll have to use it if and, if and when we finally get to record an episode live. Absolutely. We could do that. So, um, But yeah, I have with me Matt again. Hello guys. Hopefully the audio issues are smoothed out a little bit. Uh, to be honest with you, the audio issue was was that because of my new headset that I bought, I had to buy a new headset because my old one broke. It still works, but it won't stay on my head because the earpiece broke on it. Um, and it was really nice when it was at Turtle Beach. Um, so I couldn't use it anymore, so I bought a new one. This is like a little Logitech one that's like, I think it was like 40 bucks. The problem is, is that the gain on it is not good enough so when i begin talking it doesn't normally pick up the beginning parts of my of what i'm saying and but then it, it equals out it's also a little bit more quieter um and so people would have to turn up their volume in order to hear me and then when matt talked it was normal volume and it was actually loud so hopefully this kind of evens out everything and i may just stick with this from from now on so the problem is you will hear my fucking chair in the background because it, it always it creaks and stuff like that because it's old so you're gonna have to yeah. bear with that i'm uh i'm only out five weeks from my final change of setup also once i'm up in boston i can get everything set up with working internet and join sort of the modern era and hopefully be able to use a normal headset yeah welcome back to the uh to the 2000s man yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, uh, we're playing through, uh, more of Earthbound. And man, we covered a lot. I feel like I played a lot of this game this week. Yeah, these, these have been some long weeks for, for getting into this. It's, it's weird because that, there's that semi-persistent need to be grinding. Right. So what doesn't sound like it takes a lot of time on paper, you know, just tack on a few extra hours for, for grinding and, to be honest, I mean, I, I guess that's the, that's the first thing I wanted to say is that it, it's kind of weird because, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like in general, grinding has this sort of negative perception, you know, like, oh, if it's a game where you have to grind in order to get past, it slows the game down. It really knocks off the pacing and, you, you know, it detracts from the experience. But to be brutally brutally honest with you, there is no story to this game. So you're not detracting really from anything other than, I guess, seeing new areas. Right. Um, so my my thought there is really one of my favorite parts of this game so far is finding a new good place to grind. When I get into that section where I encounter some new enemies – and I can sort of beat them easily enough to make it worth it, but also I get enough experience to make it worth it. So right. sort of on both ends, getting into that new sweet spot for you at your given level is actually one of one of the more fun parts of this game, I think. Yeah, it's 
it, to me, it feels like clockwork, um, to me. I'll get into this, this, I, I don't, for lack of a better term, grind of finding a new place, knowing what I need to do, and then trying to work my way through it. You know what I mean? And it, it was almost like, okay, I'm doing this now and I'm going through this and I know where I need to go. I'll be honest with you. And I know Matt, you're the exact same way. I'm sitting down with a fucking fact right next to me because there is some fucking cryptic shit in this game. Yeah. Stuff that you wouldn't, like, how the fuck did people figure out how to do this stuff? Like you have to go talk to this one random guy in the city and you have to go and, you know, get him something and you, where do you get it? Well, nobody really fucking knows, but you know, there is a hint man. There's a guy in every town who has hints and I'm sure he probably points you in the right direction, but that's a lot of walking to a hint guy who may give you another cryptic message to figure out. So I'm using a fact for this. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, but it's it's it it does it feels like it, it has a good progression system in it. And yeah, I, that's one what of the I best, really love about it. Yeah, one of the best things I, I totally agree. One of the one of the most important things for me in a game like this is that I feel like I'm getting stronger as a as a character or as a group. And uh, I definitely do, and that's well, I, I like how the game reinforces that too. How the some of the weaker enemies will run away from you. Oh yeah. You know, that's just like, all right, there's clear evidence that I'm now slightly more badass than I was 15 minutes ago. Right. Even uh, if I'm still like a, a, a little boy with a baseball cap on. The That's one of the greatest things ever. I found a fantastic place to grind. It's right after, well, we can get into it, but it's, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it whenever we get to it. Um, God, the last thing we did, what was the last thing we did before we, we left off? Uh, we were about to head to, what was the area? We were trying to get to summers. I think we were in winters still. Uh, no, we were still in Foreside because we got Jeff. Jeff showed up and he's in our party now and... Yeah, we were supposed to get to summers, but we only made it out to the... To the mine with the moles, I think. Right. We went. And then the next the, part. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. went to the desert again. Um. So actually, you know, talking about grinding spots, one of my favorite grinding spots so far in this game is just that little section in Foreside that's right outside of the hotel. So just west of the hotel. Okay. And there's there's bag ladies, which at the time were giving me eighteen hundred experience, and they would usually die in two or three hits. I and so it, it, it it's sort of a combination of how much do you get for it, how much are they going to take away from me life wise, and then how often or how easily do they spawn? Because once you find a good grinding spot, you can sort of game it a little bit by, you know, just by pushing that spot off screen and bringing it back on screen. Uh, because the characters, the enemies respond so quickly. If, if it is the right enemy, you can sort of attack them, beat them, get your experience. And if there's no enemy or the wrong enemy, you just kind of shimmy your way to the right, then shimmy back to the left, and they're there again. Yeah. Um, as far as the story goes, I know we went to the monkey. Were we going to the monkey cave? Was that what it was? Uh, we, we still need to. I mean, we had to do the department store first. Right, that's where we left off. That was off. the next, yeah, the next big store. story beat. Yeah. So, uh, the big story beat was we had to go to the department store. I don't exactly know why, but when we get there, uh, the lights go off, and Paula is abducted by what looks like an alien. And they take her up to the fourth floor. At the department store. Um, when we go up there, we have to fight a boss, which is a alien-looking guy. Um, but Paul is not there. And when we leave the department store, uh, we go to this bar. It's a cafe, but apparently it's a bar. Um, and we get 
teleported to a reverse world called Moonside? Yeah. Fuck but this t- place. <laughs> because not only have I lost possibly my most powerful party member, uh, it's just me and Jeff, or Ness oh, and Jeff. Um, and now we have to go through this area with only two party members and some enemies that will fucking wreck you if you're not careful. Um, and then it's also like a maze because there's like invisible walls that you can't go by. So it's a reverse version of Foreside where everybody talks weird and yes means no and no means yes. Um, and you're getting attacked by like abstract art and shit. Yeah, I was going to say the enemies are, are as trippy as the environment. And everything's neon, looks like neon signs and everything like that. You uh, have to keep teleporting around. It's yeah. weird. And you get teleported around by these guys with sunglasses on. And you're trying to make it to the, um, it's, it's the Tom, Tomatomi building, something like that. Nakatomi Tower. It's Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> We're going to take on, uh, Hans Gruber. Um, Game took a twist. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that I have somebody on my Steam friends list who it, it just popped up, and it's a picture of Hans Gruber, and it says Hans Gruber just started playing something, and it, so I was like, okay, because <laughs> you can name yourself whatever you want and have whatever picture you want on Steam. Um, yeah, because so so this whole thing is because this guy uh, I don't know what it was Talomi or whatever the name of this place is. There, there's the idol. I think that we, I think we fought. Did we fight the idol before? We fought, we fought, we fought an idol before, or the, the guy at the blue village that was wanting to paint everything blue had an idol there. And he, that was controlling him and the people there. And, um, this guy who runs the, the, the building, he has one of those idols as well and it's controlling everybody there. So yeah, it's the Monotoli building. Monotoli building. And so when we uh, finally make it to the building, we have to take on the... Um, well, we have to escape Moonside first. Um, I think we just get teleported out of Moonside, right? Well, it, it turns out that the whole Moonside was like a hallucination coming from that statue. Right. So once we once we beat the statue, it breaks, and then we're released from the hallucination. Right, and then we go to the the building proper in Foreside, and that's where we run into a bunch of crazy ass fucking robots that go nuts, like cleaning robots and stuff. Um, because we we came back to uh, bring a. Is it salmon flavored? Trout trout flavored yogurt because somebody is really wanting trout flavored yogurt that lives in the the building. Yeah, I think it was the main person's what, maid or secretary? Yeah. And that's who we talked to, who she gives us access to go up there. Um kind of find out who it is is Pokey, our old neighbor. Who I guess is turning into a villain in this game? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he's not uh, not any kind of criminal mastermind or anything, but he seems to be set up as some kind of nemesis for Ness. So uh, we talk to the guy who runs the building, the Monotomi guy, and he tells us that he was under the control of the idol, which is being used by uh, Gygus, the obviously the big mastermind against the alien invasion. And uh, he said that he was told to capture Paula, uh, which we find Paula and she rejoins our party. And he says, well, you guys need to get to Winters. Well, we can do that. I got a helicopter you can use. So we go up to the top of the tower and then Pokey jumps into the helicopter and takes off and says, you guys never catch me or whatever. I don't know. It's, It's stupid. Right, so a 13-year-old kid just stole a helicopter. So, okay. 
So now we got to figure out how to get the winners. Luckily, uh, Jeff has the bright idea of, hey, let's go back to Threed, where I left my little flying ship thing, and see if we can repair it. So we go back to Threed. Have we learned teleportation yet? Yes, we have, because we get it from the monkey. There's a guy who lives in the monkey cave who, where we get the trout-flavored yogurt machine. He teaches us how to teleport. And you teleport by basically running really fast. Yeah, I don't know if you can reach 88 or not, though. Yeah. But you run really fast, and you just show up at the town. You can go to any town that you've previously visited. And so, um, yeah, that's we can teleport to uh, Threed. And um, then we go to the uh, to the ship. And it's been repaired by a couple of guys who were there. I think um, Jeff's old roommate's there. Right? Yeah, the, the town's people fixed it, right? Maybe. Can't remember. Yeah, I think I, 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 I don't think they say specifically it's just repaired. But the, the thing I thought was funny was that the hole in the ceiling of that cave wasn't repaired. Oh, yeah, they never bothered to repair that i guess yeah but the, but they have the capabilities of fixing a, a jetson's jet ship sure why not sure um so we get into the ship and we do that really long ass fucking cutscene again of watching it fly all the way through the air and we land back at stonehenge uh in the lab we talk to uh, Jeff's dad, who says that he wets the bed. That's all he says. And uh, we remember that there was a shiny spot, one of those, uh, one of those sanctuary spots, um, in a cave next to Stonehenge. And we go there, yep. and we get the fourth sanctuary sound. Yep, and that's the one we couldn't get when we passed it as just Jeff. Yeah. So, um, then after that, we have to go to Summers, which we jump back into the, uh, the flying machine, uh, which I should mention after I did this one, before getting into my flying machine, I then teleported back to Tucson and got the second sanctuary melody because I did, in fact, forget it. Uh, well, I guess now that you can teleport, it doesn't waste as much time as it would have before. Exactly. So, and the boss was fucking easy. I think it took like three hits. <laughs> but yeah, um, did that. And then, um, we arrived at Summers. Once again, our ship crash lands and breaks. And we're now in Summers, which is a beach town. No repairing it this time, though. Blasted to bits. Yeah. So, that's the last time we'll be riding in that thing. At least watching that cutscene again. Yeah. Sorry, I had to lean over. So this town reminds me a little bit of uh, California games from back in the day. Yeah. Hacky sacking. Right. By a beach. Um, but anyway, uh, you know what? I got to stop the recording real quick. I'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that. I had to make a phone call. Um, but yeah, so we made the summers, um, looks like California games, as Matt said, and, um, this big beach town, um, not really much to do here. Um, yeah, it seems like there's one main goal, which is to get into this club, right? Club stoic club stoic. Yeah. And, um, in order for us to do this, we have to do a few things. Um, the, and it just, it like, so since I'm going by the fact, the fact doesn't say we're going to Club Stoic. It just says, okay, you need to go here and do this and then do this. And then you get into Club Stoic. I'm like, I didn't know that was what we were fucking doing, but all right. Yeah. Which I guess 
what's the alternative? How are you supposed to figure that out? Are you supposed to have spent an hour or two talking to everybody in the town? And then through that process, you'll find out that you can't get into Club Stoic. Yeah. And then eventually, I guess you would stumble on the guy who gives you the number. And just hope all that makes sense and you haven't gotten so lost and frustrated that you've quit the game. Yeah. You have to randomly go to a guy in a house in a the town that's outside, right outside. It's like to the right of, of Summers. And he will give you the number to Club Stoic. Then you have to call Club Stoic and set up an appointment or you know, something like that. Yeah, reservation. Reservation. And then uh, when you go there, was it? There's a there's a guy in, at the club who says that he is. What is he? He he's he's with the museum or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, there's there's the whole thing about the museum here, where he you know something. He's found something incredible. Okay. And you have to go back to Foresight, right? Yeah. Although I don't remember why now. I know that the two – I think you picked up the phone in the museum and it was somebody from Foresight calling. So then you had to go back to Foresight because that's where the the guy who made the incredible discovery actually was. Yeah, because it's under the – it's in the sewers of Foresight. Um. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the whole reason you go to Summers. Yeah. So uh, apparently there's also, uh, Sailor and he's complaining about his wife. And then you go into Club Stoic and you meet the Sailor's wife and you tell her you want some of her magic cake, which obviously a euphemism if I've ever heard one. Yeah. And then you go outside to her little cake stand. Uh, and I think that's when you take over his poo. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, is that what happens? I think you got you eat this it's a magical cake and it's kind of like a magical mushroom. I think you hallucinate again, not for the first time in this game. Right. But so is that it, I, I saw something on the internet today because I was reading stuff because I get bored. And um, there was a theory that Ness Pooh doesn't really exist. And oh, that, that this whole section's a hallucination. Yeah, and like Ness is just made up Pooh in his mind <laughs> because of the magic cake. Yeah, I mean that—that's what happens after you eat it. Is I think you then switch to take over as Pooh. So either a. We are tripping over this magic cake, and we get a new party member that way who is just a hallucination or B we pass out because we ate trippy drugs and then Pooh comes to join us. So in the meantime, while we're passed out tripping, Pooh then comes to join us. So man, that's such a, I don't know. So we take over. Yeah. Expect, yeah. Go if ahead. it was a TV show, I'd expect a meanwhile elsewhere. Right. This is happening. Here's where Pooh is. So Pooh, uh, is our final party member for this adventure. Uh, he is a monk who is also a crowned prince. I'm, I don't know where he lives. Dalam? Dalam? It's Dalam, but is that supposed to be something as far as an Asian thing? Yeah, I thought it was more Middle Eastern. Maybe it would be Chinese. I thought it was looked more like India. Yeah, they call it Far East in this description, at least. Right. And so, um, but we take over his poo, and he's getting ready to go over his final trial into becoming whatever. I guess enlightened. Enlightened. <laughs> uh, and he has to go up. He has to climb up to this. Uh, solitude mountain or whatever and it's real easy you just go up to the place and sit there and don't move the controller even though it tells you you have to come like there's a person that comes and says you have to come quick because the master needs you but you just have to sit there 
than the master. Yeah, unfortunately, I did go, and I said, oh, uh, I better go solve this problem, and then failed the trial, but I didn't know I failed the trial, because, again, the game doesn't tell you anything. But then I had to go back and essentially reset by talking to your, I guess, your mentor, whoever's by the throne. Mm-hmm the old guy by the throne so i went and talked to him reset the whole thing and then i had to go back and do the trial over again and then you hear a voice that says it's going he's going to take away your arms and your legs and your ears and your eyes so that you only have yeah you you, so your soul is mine uh so you only have your inner self and when you agree to all this stuff then you pass the trial um, yeah, it, that that's one of the more. I mean, I guess you could read into it, but it was just uh, kind of interesting because then after he takes all your physical parts, yeah. he says, "You know, now I'm going to take your mind, and you won't even have that. You'll just become nothingness." Right. I was like, "Oh shit, that's deep." Yeah. So it reminded me actually. I read I read some short story when I was younger about some people who wanted to meet this alien race, but. They had to go through all these trials, and it was essentially, are will, will you endure all of this pain in order to meet this alien race? So that basically, they would. It was really graphic. They would go through like every finger was one finger was smashed with a hammer, and then the other one was like flayed open, and another one was eaten by insects, and you had to go through all this. And then they cut, took your eyes out, then they cut your arms off, and all of that. The difference is, I guess, in that story, the people actually underwent that. This uh, Pooh actually only goes through – he only agrees that he would under, undergo it. He doesn't actually get hurt at all. It's all sort of in his mind, and then he just wakes up, and he's perfectly fine. There's actually – you reminded me of a um, – I don't know if you've ever read any of the creepypastas, if you've ever heard yeah. of those. Yep. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there was one where uh, back in the 80s they were doing a science experiment on uh, uh, sensory deprivation. And they had a old man who uh, – he, he was either ill or something, and he agreed to it where they removed all of his senses, including his sight, you know, everything, even feeling. So he couldn't feel his body, couldn't see, couldn't hear, he couldn't do anything. And because of that – he then became psychically connected to things. Like he could hear the people, the voices of the dead, or he even heard God's voice. And so, so this is all about like that, that is, you know, the idea that if you lose a sense, your other ones heighten to compensate. Kinda. But if you, if you lose all of your senses and you're just there by yourself, you could, can't feel anything, can't see, you basically don't really exist. Um, it's a really interesting story and I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's short. It's like a short story that somebody just wrote and put it on a website. Uh, you just look up creepypasta. I think it's like the power of the mind or, or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's really interesting. But anyway, that has nothing to do with this. Uh, after finishing the trial, we then return to the master, and the master says, okay, you have to go meet with your friend Ness. You're destined to be with him and save the world. And so he learns the ability to teleport, and then teleports directly to Ness while he's laying there on the beach, fucking tripping from eating magic cake. And he says, hi, I'm Pooh, and I'm here to join you. And that's it. Nobody questions anything. Yep. Unless somehow... Um, Ness tripping sort of became like a beacon and that's maybe how the the mentor knew that it was time for Pooh to go. Gotcha. You know, maybe he, you know, maybe it unlocked something in his in his mind. I don't, I don't know. It's stretching. There's not really <laughs> it's not really explained in any way in this game. Nothing is explained in this game. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, I have yet to see the aliens I mean, we've seen one of them, the Star Man or whatever, but everything's basically being controlled by Gygus, and we have yet to see Gygus. 
there's no cutscene of Gygus sitting on a throne somewhere saying, yes, I'm taking over the world by the weirdest, dumbest fucking methods ever. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, is it just like, a, is he a bumbling idiot or what? Because you got four adolescent kids who's kicking your ass right now. Yeah. It needs that one scene like the end of Mass Effect 2 with the fleet of Reapers. Yeah. You need, you, need, uh, you know, there's not been any sense that uh, anything bad is going to happen other than the first, like, two minutes of the game and some some creepy, weird uh, mini-bosses and bosses that, that say that Gygus has got this plan. You don't, really, you don't really feel like that plan exists and that it's necessarily all that threatening. Not to mention, the game started out with a bit of a time travel element with the little bumblebee of the from the future right. and uh hasn't been any more of that in the game i don't if they can time travel why you know i don't know if there will be any more they just kind of just throw random stuff at you and just say okay also there's time travel but nobody uses it exactly so i don't know so we get poo and now we have to go back to Foreside to go check out the museum because the guy says he found something amazing there. Well, when we get to Foreside and we go to the museum, the guy that's there, he says that he doesn't want to let us in, but he really wants an autograph from this woman who sings at the nightclub. Okay, well, let's go get an autograph at the nightclub. It's just some random-ass detour that we have to do. So we go to the nightclub, and then we sit there for two minutes yeah. and, and watch a, a performance of this woman. No singing whatsoever. It's just do-do-do-do-do, and she's like dancing on the stage. Then afterwards, we go to the backstage. We say, hey, can we have your autograph? She says, yes. She writes it down on a banana. Then we take it back to the man, and he says, great. I appreciate it. You guys can come on in. That last statement that I just said makes no sense. And it's a thing that happened in this game. And it's a thing that happened in this game. It's like that picture of a guy dressed up like Darth Vader, and he has two pitchers, and he's in the ocean, and he's pouring water from one pitcher to the other. <laughs> that's that's how much sense this makes. I got yeah, an autograph because... on a fucking banana. Yeah, some of it is just clearly, like, intentionally weird like that. And then the stuff that's not clearly weird, there's there's still no logic behind it, and it's just, it just happens. Things just happen. Like, when we get Pooh, in order to get, like, in order to get the guy at the Summers Museum to do anything, you have to give him, he says he likes jewelry, apparently. So when Pooh joins your party, he happens to have a ruby. And you have to give that to him. And then you answer the phone. Then you then you go do the stuff with the banana. But it, it's just like that That item could have literally been anything. Oh, the guy at the museum needs something. Oh, now you have a new, a new character in your party who just happens to have that thing that you need. Yeah. Now you need to go get a signed banana. It, like, I don't know. Like some of it is... Funny. Some of it, it just seems so pointless. It's yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it feels like it's a game of prerequisites, and they've ran out of normal prerequisites, and they're, they're saying, "Okay, I need you to go get an autograph banana." Yeah, and I kind of feel like that's how a lot of games of the time were. Is that every, you know, we have an objective. Oh, you need to open this door. But in order to do that, you need the key. In order to get the key, you need to beat this enemy. In order to beat the enemy, you need to get the gem. And, you know, it's it's one big, like, nested fetch quest. Yeah. And that's all it is. I think a lot of the games were like that, but it, it, it's fairly blatant in this game. Yeah. And it, because it's such a long game, and I wouldn't say it's a very long game, but because it lasts for so long... You, it's just blatant. It's like you just see it. Because I was like, oh, God, what the fuck am I doing now? You know? 
Yeah, it's not like when you get to a new, you know, and one thing the game does well is have lots of environments. You know, there's a desert and there's the frozen area and there's swampland and, you know, there's these different towns. But you never really get the sense that you need to go to a town for a reason. You're just there in the town. All right. The only goal of this town is to get out of it to get to the next town. Yeah. There is no sort of rational reason for why you're there. I mean, it, it could be anywhere. Could pull a wolf inside. We could be on the moon base, but at least, you know, th- there is sort of an abstract place to go. Oh, a secret moon base. But, you know, in the context of that game, that made a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not just going to a random base anywhere. You're going to the moon base. Of course, the Nazis would have their secret base on the moon. Like that, you know, not that Wolfenstein was some pinnacle of game design, but at least, you know, at least things like that kind of made sense. And you weren't just going to a random place. You were going to a place for a specific reason. And this is, I don't know, it's just it's just random. It's not. Well, I was going to say it's not good or bad. It's random, but I mean, it is. It is kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the story is nonsensical, but I'm not playing the game for the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm playing the game because it's kind of fun. Yep. I mean, it's. I mean, seriously. I mean, it, it, that's it's so weird that in an RPG, particularly a turn-based RPG, the biggest drawing point is their story. And yeah, the story is there and it's goofy and weird and doesn't make much sense. But it sounds like a kid wrote it, but <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think the progression is really well done. The design is pretty well done. Um, yep. You know, I just, I don't know what it is. It's so strange to me that I, I, I any other game like this, I would not have enjoyed. I'd be like, this is stupid. But yeah. I mean, I do enjoy it. It's, it's not the story per se because I've given up long ago. I, I don't expect a story. Uh, to, to be honest, a game from this – you know, I, I, just, I just don't expect a story at all. It's not on the radar. But the one thing – and it's not a negative to me that it doesn't have a story. But the one thing that is kind of a negative is the way that they give you some logic behind what you do. The rationale for what you do. I mean, you can make it be totally random. I mean, you, you could have had the monkey be the one that needed a, an autographed banana. You know, there, there's a lot of little things you could do that would kind of make more sense. Right. I don't know if that would take away from its quirkiness. I mean, it kind of seems to me like it's just a bunch of stuff in a blender. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you could have had just as weird of a story, but, you know, I, but, but have sort of a, a a real rationale. Like, for example, when we get to Summers, you know, like I said, when when you get to an area, one of your only goals is to get out of that area. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. How do you how do you open the gates to get to the next area? And in Summers, it's a beachside town, so you're by a sea, so it makes perfect sense that you're going to exit on a boat. And so it doesn't surprise me that there's a kraken in the water. And that comes up a little bit, but, you know, one of the things randomly you could have done in that town would have been to get an item that you would use to beat the Kraken, but you don't. Yeah. You don't, you know, it's, it's not the, again, it's not the story. It's more just the, the progression of it, the rationale of how you move through it. I don't know. It's, um. Weird. So, we made it to the museum. We gave the guy the autographed banana. He lets us go into the sewers. He said he found something amazing in the sewers. He says, uh, a, a big giant rat. And it's guarding something. So, we travel through the sewers. Um, once again, another dungeon. This is going to lead to the Fifth Saint or sixth, sixth sanctuary location, right? Fifth, I believe. Fifth, okay. Um, no, nah, it's the sixth, isn't it? What was the? Which one was the fifth then? Oh, right. The fifth one was when we go back to Dalam. Sorry about that. 
I went back to Delam first. No, no, no. I did this. This was the fifth. The sixth was Delam. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. you have to get the key in order to get to the to get away from. You have to get a key to get away from the bunnies that are blocking a door. See, another fucking weird ass thing. It's just yeah. it's just one weird thing after another. Holy shit! So, we go to the sewers, and um, some pretty tough enemies in here. Um, at this point, I think I'm Ness is at high high forties level. Everybody else, yeah. is a little lower. Sounds about right. Pooh is just now hitting his thirties. Um, and Pooh is interesting. So we haven't talked about him. So if you equip him with standard shit like baseball bats or charms or anything like that, it actually lowers his stats. Uh, looking in the fact, it says that he has a set of gear that you will find throughout the game that raises his stats. Don't equip him with anything. Just equip him with the stuff that you get that's just for him. Also, any regular food item like hamburgers or anything like that, if you feed it to him, it only does like eight hit points healing. Yeah, I noticed that. He has a specific set of things that heal him. Um, What a prima donna. I know. So... It's weird, uh, but he is not really a striker character. He's more of a psychic character, um, but he's not as powerful as Paula, but he learns a lot of Paula's moves. So like he'll learn how to freeze people. He uses thunder, stuff like that, which yeah, is kind of balanced because at least he's the only other character that can do healing. Yeah. Which is nice because one of the weird to me, one of the weird design choices is that my most powerful character, my p- most powerful striker is the one that I have to spend every round healing with. Healing, yeah. It's so weird. So Jeff has no psychic abilities. Uh, Paulo, no abilities of any kind. He uses weapons. Now, here's the thing. And Matt, I don't know if you've utilized this enough. The fact tells you to do it. Big bottle rockets do some extreme damage to guys. And using Jeff, having Jeff use those... Is actually pretty helpful. Is he the? But everybody can use them, right? I don't know. I haven't tried with other people. I I thought everybody could use him. He maybe gives them a, a bonus. Yeah. Now and Jeff, like you said, he's an inventor. He creates stuff. The slime generator has actually helped me. So if you use the slime generator, which is kind of like a early invention that you can get for Jeff it can it makes sticky stuff all over the enemies and it can make them lose a turn they they get stuck um i've got a a a item that i haven't i haven't repaired yet so in order for you find items that are broken and after you rest at a hotel or something like that Jeff sometimes will f- repair stuff, but his IQ has to be at a certain threshold in order for him to do this. I have a broken bazooka, and according to the fact, that is the strongest weapon Jeff can have in the game. In fact, it's stronger than his shoot ability. Oh, really? Because I have a bazooka, a working one. Yeah, they, the the fact says that use that once you get that, use that every round. Oh, it didn't tell me it was better, so I never equipped it. Yeah, you don't equip it. You, it's one of his goods that you use, like the slime generator. Ah, all right. So, I assumed it would be like his weapon. Yeah, I don't. I don't have it fixed yet. Okay. Um. So anyway, we go through the sewers and we make it to the fifth sanctuary spot. Uh, you fight a giant rat. Um. Luckily, at this point, I've got Paula. She's a fucking badass. Yeah, she's got four levels of that freeze. It's so good. Like, I've got the, uh, there's alpha, beta, gamma, and omega. And I had the gamma freeze at that point, which gives a 50% chance to make up, uh, an enemy lose a turn, which is amazing. 
Yeah, especially on a boss. Yes. And so uh, I beat this guy easy peasy. Uh, and then we make it to the fifth sanctuary location, which is a crystal. Yeah, they thing? call it Ma- Magnet Hill. Magnet Hill. But, uh, yeah, it's just a little pyramid, crystal pyramid. Yeah. And this is when I realized something. I had an epiphany, and I didn't realize it before. So everybody knows I'm big into video game music. And I know Earthbound, mainly from Super Smash Brothers. The melodies that we're collecting is the wind theme for Ness and Super Smash Brothers. Oh, that's awesome. I did not realize that until I heard this melody. And it, it, it's – so <laughs> I'm going to do it. But um, the wind theme for Super Smash Brothers and for Ness when he wins, it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that's the fucking melody that we're learning. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I recognize that. I didn't know that. So I was like, hey, I recognize that. And uh, it was a fun little anecdote that I told hmm. my fiance, and I, I don't think she cared. But <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so the melodies we're collecting, I don't know what significance they have. Um, if they have any significance. Yeah, do the do the melodies, do the actual sanctuary locations, or do the visions that Ness has when he gets to those sanctuary locations? Yeah. Something's got to mean something, right? Right. So he's constantly having visions of like when he was a child, like when he was a baby almost. Like yeah. he, he sees visions of his mom and stuff like that. And it's just described to us. So, uh, and while we're at the sanctuary location, there just so happens to be a key there. It's the carrot key, which we then use for the sixth sanctuary location, which we can easily teleport to, and it's in Dalam. Uh, yeah, because who has this next-gen teleportation where instead of running in a straight line, you just run around circles? Really? Yeah, have you not used that? No, I've only used Ness's. Uh, so I, one of the things I thought would happen, which hasn't happened to me yet, but I haven't tried it, is that if you try to teleport but you don't actually have space to get speed, you just like run into a wall. Right. Is that true? Yes. So all right, so poos, you just run it on a circle, so you don't need anywhere near as much space. So it's it's essentially easier to teleport. I think it's called like teleportation beta. Then I need to, uh, I need to do that from now on because I constantly run into walls and have to start all over. Yep. Yeah, I would just use this. It's easier. Okay. Um, so, uh, I teleport to Dalam. We go down there to where the rabbits are blocking the entrance to the cave. Um, we use the carrot key. It makes the rabbits. It's funny because <laughs> lest you think these are normal rabbits, these are like big black rabbit statues. Yeah. That then disappear when you use the carrot key on them. With, you know, again, whimsically, there's no reason for there to be bunnies of any sort, live or dead, or <laughs> statues in this area. But they're there, and they're blocking the entrance, and you feed them a carrot key, and they disappear. They don't run away with it. They just disappear. In the context of Earthbound, this totally makes sense. (laughs) So we go inside this cave. And this is the next sanctuary area. Um, It's a small dungeon, but we do get one very special item here. Finally, we get an item that increases Pooh's stats. It's the bracers of something. The king's. The king's bracers or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it's a kind of a smaller dungeon. Um, but, uh, we go to the, uh, to the sanctuary spot. We fight the boss. Uh, the boss looks menacing. Yep. But kind of like, cool. Yeah. It's like a, a, a fire and ice dragon thing. Yeah, it's like intertwined dragons. I think they call them Thunder and Storm. Yeah. And so... Um, cool. But yeah, but it goes down easy because Paul is a badass. 
Yep. At which this point, Pooh's becoming kind of a badass. He's he's, he's a pretty good uh, mage striker kind of character. Um, and Jeff with his big bottle rockets, I have to give it to him. He tries. <laughs> and then Ness just beats the living shit out of him with a baseball bat. I I I I love that about this game. While yeah. while while it's it, it it's weird and and kind of dumb in that way. I love the fact that there is an alien invasion happening and a bunch of kids are beating the aliens to death with baseball bats. Yep. It reminds me, I mean, I, some of these games I actually don't remember at all. I only have vague, vague memories of being a child. But a couple of other games where you play as kids, one of them was Kid Chameleon. Yeah. I don't know if you ever played that. Oh, I have. And then there's another one that I actually I don't know anything about it other than I don't know if it was on the NES or the Atari maybe and you played as like a little boy and it was like a monsters it was like a Halloween themed game but I I could have swore you played as a little boy and you fight like movie style monsters like Frankensteins and Draculas like a kid version of Castlevania yeah hmm so I, I I don't know, but, but yeah. So in my mind, because you don't you don't see a lot of games like that today, at least any that I can think of off the top of my head. You don't see as many like this, although maybe they exist and I'm just not playing them. I, I have to say, I I I was just looking at Earthbound stuff, and uh, I came across a picture which I tweeted on the Phoenix Down uh, Twitter. Uh, it's a somebody did like a fan drawing of the party. And it's done in like a Norman Rockwell kind of painting, and it's fantastic. <laughs> check out check out the Phoenix Down Twitter. Um, I, I posted it last week, and uh, it's like them like walking. It looks kind of like um, the Abbey Road album cover. Yep, where they're all kind of walking in a line, and uh, but the the style of it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting, um, and I thought that was like that's just really cool. So. Uh, but you can check that out. Um, but yeah, we beat this boss. We go to the sixth sanctuary location, which is the pink cloud. Uh, get another melody. And then it's finally time to jump on the boat in Summers. Uh, they're going to take us to, I don't know how to pronounce it, Scarab? Scarab? Maybe Scaraba. Scaraba. I mean, it, it would be a scarab would be a thing, but right as a place that's like Scaraba. Scaraba. It's a desert area. Um, obviously, I guess supposed to be Egypt. Um, yeah, there's some pyramids. There are pyramids there. So, um, we jump on a boat. We talk to a sailor in Summers. He takes us on a boat and warns us, hey, there is a Kraken out here. Uh, but you guys seem like you're raring to go, so let's go. And we run into the Kraken. He attacks the boat. And we have a boss fight with him. It lasted a turn. Yeah, I was going to say, this th- This was one battle. If it was supposed to be intimidating, wasn't. Because I had done just a bunch of leveling up. Really, really, when we got Pooh, I did a bunch of leveling up because I didn't want him to be so underleveled. Oh, man. Um, I totally forgot to mention it. So the cave in Dalam, after you get the Sanctuary Melody, when you leave, you, you can get the Bracers. And, but after you, after you beat the Sanctuary boss here, all the enemies are afraid of you. And, you know, you always get kind of like a advantage strike. You know, you get the first strike if you run into an enemy that's running away from you. Well, these enemies will give you three, 3,000, 4,000 experience when you kill them. And I was strong enough to where if I ran into them, I automatically won the fight. Yeah. Holy shit. I left that cave and came back in at least 20 times. I got fucking Nesta level 50. I got... Paula, the light level 46. Pooh was even in the 40s now. And I said, well, my job here is done. And I went and took on the Kraken. He died in one, uh, in one turn. 
And now we are officially badasses. All of us, including Jeff. So, I did me some grinding. Was it cheating? Maybe. Do I give a damn? No. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we did that. Uh, beat the Kraken, and they take us to uh, the desert town. Uh, not really much to do here. It's hot yeah. here, and you can constantly contract heat stroke, which is really annoying. Uh, but we go to a pyramid. So one of the things that we forgot to mention is that when we go to the museum in Foreside, I believe, we get these hieroglyphics. And it is the key to opening the pyramid that we're trying to get into. Once again, I don't know why we're going to this pyramid. There is no sanctuary here, but we're going to a pyramid. Yeah, I don't know why we're going to this pyramid. Yep. But anyway, we're going to a pyramid. And um, I didn't pay attention to the hieroglyphics. I looked at the fact, and I did the puzzle there because I don't care. Um, and we go inside the pyramid. Now I have to say, this is possibly one of the longest dungeons I've played in this game so far. Because when you texted me, I was about halfway through the dungeon whenever I, whenever you sent me that text saying you're ready to go. And I was like, well, shit, give me a second. So, um, the, the hieroglyphics come to life and attack yeah, us. Yeah, I, I thought that part was kind of cool. I mean, at least the first time. Of course, we fight mummies. We also fight, um, giant rock guardians. Um, but we go through this area. Uh, we fight another tomb guardian or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of the boss of this area. And we get something in the, uh, I can't remember what it's called. The Hawkeye? The Hawkeye. We get the yeah, Hawkeye. The, the key item that we get in this pyramid. Yeah. I, we didn't know to get a Hawkeye, but we got Yeah, we, we don't know what we need it for. Yeah, but we got the Hawkeye, and then we leave the pyramid. When we exit out of the pyramid, a man shows up, teleports to us, and says that I have been destined to come here at this very moment to take Pooh and teach him the star something? I can't remember what it's called. Starstorm? Starstorm? The way of the starstorm. Yeah. And he says, that is my destiny and I'm here to fulfill it. And Pooh says, okay, I will go with you. And he leaves the party. So now Pooh's gone. It's just Ness, Paula, and Jeff. And now we got to go back to town. And that is when I said, okay, I'm stopping for the day. <laughs> and that's all I had. But man, I feel like we covered a crap ton here. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're globetrotters. We're well past halfway through the game at this point. But yeah, that's that's pretty much where I, where I stopped at. I mean, that's yeah, I saved it right there. The great thing about um, the Wii U version—I don't know if I said it in the last show—but I'm playing the Wii U version, and you can just any of those virtual console games, you can just use a save state. Just say, "I want to start right here where I'm at." Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so that's what I did, and then uh, turned it off and started this podcast. So, uh, but yeah. That's as far as we got. Uh, don't have any emails yet. Um, if People else, must hate it. Man. I know. Why, why does everybody love this game if nobody wants to talk about it? Send me an email, guys. It's drew at ztgd.com. Bam, segue. That's how good I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, send us some emails. Even if it's not about Earthbound, just talk to us. It's hard to sit here and talk to each other for an hour. Theme's not sexy enough. Maybe we should play, I don't know, Bayonetta next. Oh, God. That, I think that's too sexy. 
<laughs> Too sexy. We need some medium level. Medium sexy. sexy. Um, but yeah, uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. A uh, little shout out, um, even though it's it's has nothing to do with this podcast, but uh, I mentioned it on the I think it was the last Wolfenstein uh, podcast that I did um, that uh, M O Beast was doing a uh, a run a, a full playthrough on YouTube of Wolfenstein: The New Order. Uh, he is now doing. A run of XCOM 2, and he is naming all of his soldiers after the crew of ZTGD. <laughs> so hopefully, I don't get the f- the first kill. Hopefully, I'm not the first one to <laughs> die. And that, but you can check it out. It's on YouTube. Just look up Mo Beast. I think there is a um, there's an underscore in between M and O. Uh, but yeah, check him out. Um, and that's pretty much it, Matt. Um. I mean, we pretty much talked about how we feel about this game at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's Yeah, me too. It's I, so I weird, I... but I am enjoying it. Yeah. It's it, it's fun to play. So, you know, I don't know if I came off overly negative about the weirdness of the game. I, I enjoy the weirdness. Uh, I don't love every single thing about the structure of it, but... You know, when it comes to the actual gameplay of it, I enjoy it. And like I said, I think one of the things that I've had the most enjoyment of is finding a, a new little place to grind and finding a new, you know, angry cockroach or something that gives me enough XP to make it worth beating them up over and over again. So, I mean, that's kind of fun. The, the, the whimsical nature of a lot of the activities is, is still kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the game. I am too, and for those exact reasons, it's you know the the story is whatever. I, I I'm curious if the story actually even kicks in. Like, are we ever? I mean, I'm sure we're going to meet Gygus, but are we going to have even a talk with the person or the the thing, whatever it is? Like, I, I I'm just curious of it. Like, are we just going to like show up and like, oh, you are now being attacked by Gygus? I'm just, you know, but I don't think that game's all about that. Yeah, and that's fine. So uh, it, it it has that gameplay loop that I like, and it works. So, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much it for us. Um, as far as the next recording goes, uh, it may be a while uh, because Matt is going to be going. He'll be traveling. You're going to Boston. Yeah, up to Boston for the rest of this week. Yeah, so you won't be able to play it. Um, and then the week after that, I will be going on vacation to the beach. So it may be, it may be three weeks before you guys hear from us again. Uh, even then, we're actually planning something different. So we may have to take, we may have to finish up Earthbound on a different thing because the, uh, the next podcast that we're going to do, we're actually going to have a few guests on, uh, to talk about, um, some esports stuff. So, you know what? It's our show. We can do whatever we want. You just, you guys just have to go back. Go back. I'll tell you what. Go back and listen to me and Matt and Dave talk about Alone in the Dark. <laughs> I stress to everybody out there to listen to those two shows. It's only two shows. It covers all of Alone in the Dark, the, the game from 2007. It is a game that I hate with every fiber of my being. And... You will understand why when you listen to that show. But that, that'll, that'll definitely keep you company. Um, and of course, N4G is going to keep going, uh, with their show and stuff like that. But we'll be back. Don't particularly know when, but, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it for us. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great one and we will be back. With a special intermission show uh, in a couple of weeks.